There's something very unique about the job search if you are exploring careers related to fine arts. We'll discuss what that uniqueness is and how to use it to your advantage coming up on First You Hustle, a podcast from the Columbus College of Art and Design meant to help students and budding creative professionals put their expertise to use. I'm your host, Jordan Bell. Most majors have a linear progression to a job title. All majors allow you to do a wide range of jobs, but most have one job title that is easy to leap to. What do you become when you major in accounting? An accountant. What job will you do when you major in industrial design? You'll be an industrial designer, which means you'll hit a wall of frustration trying to figure out what you can do as a fine arts major, and I'm including all the subdisciplines of fine arts and even the arts management or administration side. There's a bliss in the ambiguity though just willing to just dive right into something is really important and not being afraid to just give it a shot. And if somebody says this is terrible, like just go, okay, let's throw it away and start over. That's today's guest. I'm Amanda Kepner and I'm the Senior Manager for Institutional Operations at the Columbus Museum of Art. And together we'll help you navigate the ambiguous world of careers in art. Oh, how long are you planning to intern? And I was like, you are going to have to escort me off these premises. And she's like, ha ha ha. And I'm like, I know, I'm not kidding. Welcome to another episode of First You Hustle. Our episode today focuses heavily on key differences fine arts majors face in their job search. But first, Thanksgiving is right around the corner, so you'll probably find yourself around the dinner table with all your relatives who all want to know, what are you going to do with your life? Relatives want to know what your plans are. Parents will lecture you on having job prospects. Although the question itself might be terminal, like what are you going to do with your life, they really just want to know that you have a plan and you have a strategy. So focus on those details. You can't possibly know what job you're going to have after graduation, but you can assure those worried about your prospects that you have it under control by detailing what steps you're taking to find a job. So keep that in mind. They just don't know to ask the more pertinent question. What steps are you taking to figure out what you want to do with your life? It's just more cumbersome to ask. So when they say, what do you want to do with your life? And you only respond with, I don't know. You've been warned. You're inviting a lecture. But when you respond, I don't know, but and fill that but with the types of organizations you're interested in or how you're preparing yourself professionally, like putting together a resume or finding contacts, organizing your portfolio. Maybe you talk about what your strategy might be, you know, where you plan on finding jobs, specific places you plan on applying to. The answer will stave off the lecture. But given the type of news we've been having, maybe you'll take that lecture over your distant relative's opinions on politics and social issues. Okay, on to the episode. Fine arts majors. I want you to know one thing. I know. When you look around campus, you see a lot of employer activity. You'll notice it's advertising firms, studios, people making consumer goods or apparel. They all freely come to campus and participate in job fairs, host informational sessions that we call rock shows for recruiting on campus. Where are the museums? Where are the galleries? Where are the nonprofits? These are common destinations for fine arts majors, and I'm using fine arts to refer to all studio arts as well as arts management. The advocates and administrators who make museums, galleries, community organizations, makerspaces, educational institutions thrive. Those champions of the arts were most likely art majors themselves once, just as confused as you are 
as to how to find a job. The reason you don't see these types of positions on campus is because simply they don't come to campus. Most companies have a recruiting model, which includes a heavy campaign to promote positions on multiple job boards and spread the word to campuses. They send representatives to give away swag and post up flyers with open positions. They invest in boots on the ground to fill these positions. In the fine arts world, many institutions, even the well-endowed and financially stable ones, just don't have the resources to focus on recruitment. It's just not in the culture. And this trait has actually manifested itself into a farm system for how nonprofits find talent. They look at who is in the building first. I mean, their building. Talk to those that work in these kinds of places. And I did talk to one person who works at the Columbus Museum of Art, which you will hear shortly. And you'll find that their position came from an internship. And that internship came from volunteering. And volunteering came from picking up the phone, sending an email, or just showing up and asking. It is not the only way in, but it is one of the most common. This world is small, which means it is extremely accessible and therefore easy to get started. But it's ambiguous. The nice thing about the employers that come to you is that you can react to that. Reacting is easier, but in the fine arts job search, you need to be proactive, which means going somewhere already knowing what interests you, already knowing what skills you might have. You aren't picking from options presented to you, you are creating an option to present to them. Everything else in your job search is nearly the same as other majors. You need a resume, but you might actually need a CV, which is a longer, more rudimentary detailing of all your experiences. And I actually suggest having both. A resume tends to show skills and examples of the types of roles you can fill. It will show what you're good at doing. A CV is a bit more academic and showcases achievements and the things that you have done. An exhibition, a presentation, teaching a class. A CV helps you get a teaching gig or a gallery showing or a contract to create work or an invitation to do a talk. A CV is the accomplishments. A resume is the experiences. So you need both. They may overlap a little, but you'll find you're using both. Which one you use depends on the position. You'll be drafting cover letters just like everyone else. You'll likely need to show examples from a portfolio and talk through your craft just like everyone else. You'll interview for positions just like everyone else. You'll meet people and need to follow up with them. This is networking. Everyone needs to do this. All these elements are universally applicable to nearly every single major in industry. The difference for fine arts is that you need to go out and seek employers, attend gallery openings, go to lectures and artist talks, volunteer at festivals or at a local institution, meet people, raise your hand when you see needs. It's all about getting the foot in the door, but then using that leverage to stick your elbow in two, and then you can just pry the thing off its hinges and walk through. Our office can help with that. We aren't just bringing employers to campus. We can generate a strategy for how you hit the pavement. How do you identify organizations you might be interested in? Once you find one, then what? Who do you reach out to? What do you draft in your email inquiry? We help with all of these steps, coaching you along the way. But throw out the idea that there will be a fine arts job fair because they just don't exist. Your faculty can also be a great resource for giving referrals to organizations and helping you get a feel for the landscape. Visiting artists, lectures, on-campus and off-campus events are all opportunities to connect with someone and pull yourself into the community. Let's jump into my conversation with Amanda Kepner, the Senior Manager for Institutional Operations at the Columbus Museum of Art. On the other side, I'll summarize some key steps you can take to get started. Fine arts is broad. Our conversation focuses on museums, but the methods work for all kinds of institutions. Visual arts, performing arts, galleries, museums, archives, community organizations, festivals, you name it, any arts or cultural organization. In our conversation, Amanda details her journey up the ladder and how it all started with a simple interest in museums. I just found it a very fundamental way to 
people connect across time and across cultures and with each other. And it was really interesting um, from that perspective. And I was like, well, the place that you can experience that is in a museum. So museums are cool. And then hence was like, well, I know I still like museums and I like art history and I don't know what to do with my life. So I'll just go to grad school. (laughs) (laughs) So I continued studying art history. And then after about a semester, uh, somebody said in a class, it was kind of a throwaway comment about like, oh, you know, when you guys are here, there's so much access to different professionals. You really should make as many contacts as you can. And just like a light bulb went off in my head. And I said, that is exactly what I should be doing with my time here. Mm -hmm. And I completely just narrow focused in on trying to make museum contacts and I basically just harassed them into letting me volunteer (laughs) (laughs) I like emailed everybody who worked at their little art museum they had a staff of like 10 people Mm -hmm. until somebody would let me volunteer with them I was like I will do anything I will clean out file folders for you (laughs) which I did do for someone for a while (laughs) and was it just spray paint like I'll start with A and work through the list or did you start with the department I did start I I thought about different things I was like okay so I was like I don't I don't want to be a crazy person here and just like hey facilities person who sets up tables I'll volunteer for you I'm like that seems a little uh, off the mark I was like what I kind of went through the staff list and everybody's job description like not their job titles so I went to the website and started like looking at the different positions that they had. And I was like, oh, what does an education person do? What does a development person do? What does a publications person do? And I ended up um, working with their director or manager of publications, but specifically with their publications person, which it being a university art museum, um, publications was kind of a big deal for them. And... Um, she became my mentor. She was just a really cool person, had really great life advice. <laughs> and she just needed somebody to help with some really basic things, just keeping track of like all this ephemera that would come out of the museum and keeping track of that stuff and entering, you know, edits she would make, actually entering them into things, just kind of supporting her in that. And I was, I, it was one of those things, again, where I was like, well, I don't know what I want to do with my life. So I don't know, maybe I want to work in publications. Answer, no, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So it it seems like there's a little bit of trial and error. There was definitely trial and error because there was no way, there's no way to know the difference between what a job sounds like and what a job actually is until you've like seen it for a hot second. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, there was definitely some trial and error. It was, um, I ended up staying at the IU Art Museum for a while um, on a part-time grant uh, project that they were doing. It was a provenance project, which is a super fancy word for where has this art been? And, um, where basically we were document we were documenting all the objects in the collection with photography and linking that to our system and blah 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 and the ultimate point of it was to link it to this national database which repatriated uh, artwork that was basically stolen by Nazis and make sure that we didn't have any artwork that was like illegally obtained and if we did like have communications with the owner, you know, the families that have proper ownership and say, like, hey, do you want to, like, officially donate this to us and we can attribute it to you? Do you 
want it back? Do you want to like what do you well, like what do you want to do with it? it? Technically belongs to you. It was stolen. Sorry about that. Our bad. Mm-hmm. But um, because so many during wars and things, so many documents just get all sorts of lied and forged and lost. And um, anywho, so that was the ultimate goal. But so that was technically like a combo job between the registrars, which are people in a museum who. Um, the registrars will hate me for saying this, but I kind of think of them as the librarians of the museum because they're the ones who, like, know every object. They know what condition it's in, where it is, why it's there. They travel with it. It's like they are the keepers, the true keepers of the physical objects of a museum. It was a combination between their department and the publications department, which was liaisoning this project. And that's what I ended up doing for them a long time, but I was really good at it. (laughs) (laughs) And what made the relationship with your mentor so valuable? Like what what are the elements of a good mentor? She listened really well. So um, a lot of times if we were just sitting there doing kind of simple work we would chat and she'd listen and just offer really very realistic advice and uh she kind of had her pulse on what this is going to sound super weird she kind of had her finger on the pulse of of what made life good and like your job kind of falls into that like your job isn't going to make your life good you want to have a good life which involves work that is somehow fulfilling Mm -hmm. um the one thing I remember so specifically is I was really close to um, graduation, air quotes, but finishing classes and moving into the thesis writing period of my graduate school. And I was applying to all these jobs and I was throwing resumes to the wind and I was getting super frustrated because I wasn't hearing anything from anyone about anything. And um, I was writing 40 bajillion cover letters and basically blanketing the universe <laughs> with uh my awesomeness and uh, was telling her about this and how frustrated I was. And she basically looked at me and went, you know what? Forget it. Just move where you want to move. A job will find you when you get there. And I was just like, okie dokie. <laughs> I went home that day to my husband and I was like, hey, do you want to move back to Ohio? And he's like, when? And I'm like, mm, whenever. And uh, that's how we ended up in Columbus. We're like, we're from Cleveland area, mm-hmm. Lake Erie, North Coast. We're like, well, there's no jobs up there. Hey, heard Columbus got jobs. All right, let's just move there. I mean, that is, was the level of our decision making <laughs> to come down here. She's like, you'll be shocked what happens when you have a local address. And I'm like, okie dokie. When you move back, though, you kind of find yourself back at square one because now all your contacts are in Indiana, right? Yeah. So that wasn't um, that wasn't super helpful, <laughs> but fortune, you know, fortune favors the bold. Um, I I have a lot of luck with certain things. I was married. My husband was done with school. He um, had been working in a very specific job. He fabricates, he designs and fabricates countertops. It's a whole thing. Anywho, so he, his old boss, knew his new boss. I mean, he had the contacts that allowed us to like move, get a job, buy a house. Hey, hon, figure it out. So, I mean, I really lucked out in the fact that I had a support port system that allowed me to just like pick everything up and go because it did probably take like six months to get everything ironed out Mm -hmm. as far as because I had the internship right away I had that before I moved (laughs) I we came up for a weekend we're like hey you want to buy a house sure let's do it and we came up and he interviewed for a job and I interviewed for the internship and we looked at like 50 houses and did all these crazy things because we're nut jobs and 
I showed up and we unpacked a bunch of boxes and I literally started my internship like that Monday. And um, but it took me probably another, I don't know, three to six months to get a job and start working. Once you were at the museum, you know, we mentioned earlier, you've been here about 10 years and your job has kind of changed. What has propagated that change? Have you been seeking out new and interesting projects or has it been we now need someone to do this and it's kind of on your lap or a, mix a little bit of both so the reason so i was you know in this internship and um working with my mentor cindy and on these projects and basically both a combination of like how can i make myself valuable and just my personality which is um, finding things that nobody else wants to do and just going, well, this ball was dropped. I'll just pick it up. <laughs> and um, so there were a few projects where we'd be in meetings and we just keep coming up. The one very specific thing that kind of moved the ball down the court, to use a sports metaphor, <laughs> um, the one project that really kind of started everything was uh, we had just switched our audio guides like six months before I started to this new service guide by cell where you call in a number and it's on your cell phone, you listen and it's like a voicemail and it was like a very new advanced technology for the museum who before that had like the CD players mm-hmm. on headphones or something. I don't know because that was before I was here. Um, so we had a few things, but um, Cindy was very interested in getting some guide by cell recordings for the exhibition, getting for this Monet exhibition we're doing. And probably in like four meetings, I heard her talk about like, okay, we've talked about this, we've talked about that, we still haven't figured out what these guy bicycles are going to look like. And so I've been doing all this research and reading about the time period and everything to just kind of have knowledge to support, you know, she was thinking of doing certain learning-based things. I don't know. I was just reading a lot about what was going on because why not? I'm an intern, read stuff. Mm-hmm grad school (laughs) grad school the answer is read stuff um anywho so i i'd read like 50 books on this and i was like well i'll just write down like 15 cool stories i've uncovered in this mountain of files that you've given me in this pile of books that i've read and i just handed it to her and i was like so based on everything you said like here you go these these would probably work for recordings and she's like cool make that happen and so I was like all right and I just figured out how the technology worked and asked a bunch of people to do the recording and we just like did them and um she was like great you're our guide by cell person now I'm like okay because apparently I knew how to do it so then we got this grant that she's like hey we got this grant it supports a part-time person to advance our guide by cell project and I was like okay so it became the audio guide person and all the other moves have been similar <laughs> you know yeah, see pretty, a need, fill a need pretty much and then the so need. while I, so while i was here working you know the responsibilities for doing the audio guides would take maybe half my time so the other half of time i was like well i see you need a new way to organize the way that you do your receipts and payments i could do that for you oh you really hate doing this other thing that keeps coming up okay i'll do that Oh, you've got lots of questions on how to, I don't know, better organize something with tours or whatever. Okay. Like, I just kept saying okay to stuff. (laughs) And then um, I just, I did just luck out that the um, kind of department secretary, I can't remember what her job was called at the time, but she was the person who 
answered the phones and booked the tours and did a lot with scheduling guides and kind of the outside contact person for the department. She decided to leave to pursue other things. And, um, like, I was there the day that she, like, resigned, basically. And um, I was like, oh, I heard that she resigned. I will do this job for you. <laughs> and my <laughs> boss was like, okay, slow your roll for a half a second. But um, I did officially, like, throw my hat into that ring and um, – fortunately got that full-time job so there was a little again a little bit of luck where it was like hey magically in this department but it, i knew about it because i really held in there mm-hmm. you know um during my uh internship interview uh cindy asked um like oh how long are you planning to intern and i was like you are gonna have to escort me off these premises <laughs> and she's like ha 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 and i'm like i know i'm not kidding <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like volunteering is a big theme whether you're volunteering to be a volunteer or in your job just volunteering to take on a new project, you seem very entrepreneurial. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself that way, but it sounds like you seem. I have never thought myself that way. I always have just thought myself as a get stuff done person. I get really annoyed from like talking and talking and talking and talking about something, and it's like, oh my god, do anything! Like, do anything with this. And see where it is. And if it totally stinks, whatever. Throw it away. And at least we tried that. Then we can try something else. Um, I think, yeah, I think just willing to just dive right into something is really important. And not being afraid to um, just give it a shot. And if somebody says this is terrible, like just go, okay, let's throw it away and start over. And just not have any ego in that. Like, they didn't say you were terrible. They said this thing was terrible. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how much time you put into it. It's terrible. That time is gone. Start over. What would be your your kind of, I don't know, one or two pieces of advice for someone that is entering their job search and much like you was thinking, hey, I I like museums. Those are pretty cool. (laughs) I like museums. They're pretty cool. Uh, The number one thing I would say is think about what your skills and interests are. So like museums are a really, really cool place to work, but we have the full gamut of job availability. Like we have a marketing department and we have a development department which does fundraising and membership and making connections with grants and the government and the community and they do lots of cool things there. And then we have our um, our visitor experience division which works right on the entry level with uh, with our visitors answering the phones and selling their tickets and giving them questions and a great experience. We have a special events department that makes super awesome weddings and lunches and all those sorts of things. So saying that you'd like to work in a museum is awesome, but you got to do something once you're there. We don't all just sit in the galleries and look at paintings all day. Uh, some of us look at sculptures. No, uh, there's a, there's a lot of work that actually happens. It's really ridiculous sometimes. Uh, I I've had entire exhibitions come and go without seeing them because I forgot to walk upstairs for three months. Like you know, there's there's a, a there's very much a work layer to it. But so if you're thinking, hey, museums are a cool place to work, or anywhere is like a cool place to work, that's like that is true. And now what? What am I interested in? What kind of things am I good at? How does that translate? 
does am I really interested in a museum or am I interested in arts organizations kind of more broadly because there's lots of community-based arts organizations and arts centers and galleries I worked at an auction house for hat for a hot second that was really interesting but so there's lots of different ways to connect with art and the air quotes art world (laughs) (laughs) you know um i mean it could be something and so number one definitely is like thinking about what you're also interested in no one's just interested in museums they're either interested in art or people or behind the scenes work or fundraising or making connections there's other things there and then two is um to not limit yourself but like find unexpected ways to connect i really i i took the coat i got that job at cosi answering phones number one because i really needed a job and it was part-time so i could do my internship and that at the same time but two i was kind of looking for like cool things to do in columbus and it's amazing how all the organizations here talk to each other. Like you meet people who work at Ohio History and people who work at COSI and people who work at Wexner and people who work at Jazz Arts and people who work at King's Art Complex, all just from being in one place and talking to people. Um, I learned a lot about tourism, you know, just in the course of my job. And I'm like, that is a very interesting aspect that I would not have expected to be part of museum life is the idea of tourism. So, you know, you never know if taking a job at your local tourism place is going to hook you up with somebody who works someplace. And there's lots of interesting people. There's there's no job you can do that's going to, at the end, you're going to learn nothing. I learned things running cash registers. I watched a, I watched dogs in grad school. I learned stuff from that. You learn stuff everywhere. <laughs> well, Amanda, thanks for sitting down with us. It has been my pleasure. Amanda's career is certainly in the arts management side of things. This is a common track for art lovers and artists themselves as there are many options. They provide stable and reliable income, Many find they have a skill for something on the management side, and it can provide them the means to incubate their artistic ambitions too. Keep this in mind. As you get involved in the community, find places where there are needs and you can thrive. Make connections, use their advice. Keep a few things in mind as you explore opportunities. Volunteering is a great way in. You don't need to give all your time away for free, but finding opportunities where you can get involved and just show up and do work is a great way to get noticed and make a name for yourself. This might start as something you do on the side of a job you do for wages, but slowly might take over as paid opportunities arrive. It is also a great way to get into festivals or showings for free. Internships are not defined objects. An internship is any experience where you are learning and receiving training in the field. Seek out internships as advertised, but know that a volunteer experience can quickly turn into an internship as you get involved in the process. Taking tickets is volunteering, but maybe the next time the event comes around, you are in conversations about logistics and operations. This is sounding more internship-like. Both go on your resume, but by always looking to grow your role, you'll quickly stumble into experiences that are giving you actual skills and giving value to the organization or event. 
Internships might be apprenticeships. An apprenticeship is essentially a type of internship where you learn directly under someone, usually an artist, designer, or crafter, and you're able to do hands-on work while directly assisting in the creation of something. It might mean doing prep work or cleaning supplies or just physically assisting with tasks, but you'll learn so much about technique and execution and can typically see projects all the way through. This apprenticeship is just as informally defined as an internship. Some are structured and offered positions, but some are formed organically by curious and eager students who strike up a mentor relationship with someone and want to show up and do work. Which brings me to another element, mentorship. It was mentioned in the interview, and mentors are highly valuable assets to your professional development, but again, there's not formality in how mentor relationships are defined or how you go about getting one. Mentors could be faculty, supervisors, or professionals you know in the field that you get to interact with regularly. A good mentor relationship consists of a few traits. One, the person is able to witness or review your work regularly. Two, the person is in a position to give you critical feedback on your work or is able to help you understand how they work as well as their philosophies, their drive, and their techniques. Three, the person likes being around you and you like being around them. This is the most important, as a mentor needs to feel value in giving advice to someone. They will not want to do this if there's no professional chemistry. Therefore, you can't choose any one person to be your mentor. Instead, through networking and being involved, you'll find some people naturally gravitate towards being more of a mentor than just another contact or just another teacher. You'll probably never say, will you be my mentor? But you might propose meeting with someone to review your work or ask questions about their work. This might turn into a semi-regular meeting you have. Perhaps they are naturally in a position to review your work because they are in your organization or teach you. Elevating from supervisor or teacher to mentor comes from you seeking critical feedback or insight beyond what they are mandated to offer you. A sign of a good potential mentor is someone that you want to learn from. You enjoy being around them and you seek out their advice and guidance. No matter what ship you're on, whether it be mentor, apprentice, or intern, or just volunteering, the key factor is that you are being proactive in seeking opportunities. You are immersing yourself in the community. You want to be a part of it. It takes motivation and discipline. I'm sure you have it, and maybe you don't know how to actually put it to practice, and that's where our office comes in, as well as potentially advice within your department through faculty members. Come in and see us. We'll get you started on a strategy. Just know that when you see a job fair and no fine arts employers are listed, it isn't because they don't exist. You just need to access them in a different way. And that's our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening. If you haven't already subscribed, we're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Like us on Facebook.com slash First You Hustle. And we also cross post on CCAD's YouTube page, YouTube.com slash CCAD EDU. We're nearing the end of the semester. I think we'll do one more episode and then we're on to the spring. So thanks for being with us this far and we hope to see you next time. theme song is Mr. Boogaloo by The Juanitos, Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.